Welcome, Imaginators. Sit back, buckle in, and ignite your imagination. This is the Imaginate Series Season 1, The Man with the Red Umbrella. I'm Joey Massio, the author and creator of Imaginate. If you want to support the Imaginate podcast, please leave a rating on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the easier we'll be to find. And if you leave a rating, any rating, you'll get a free I'm an Imaginator button to proudly wear for the world to see. For updates, additional content, and to become an official Imaginator, follow us on Twitter at Imaginate Series. Join our mailing list at www.imaginateseries.com or follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Imaginate Series. This episode is brought to you by Junebug Baby Products. Organize your mess with the Junebug Diaper Caddy, a versatile organizer with eight outer pockets, a customizable main compartment, and a fashionable teal chevron design. Life is messy, but it doesn't have to be unorganized. Junebug Diaper Caddies, sold exclusively on Amazon. And now, Imaginate, The Man with the Red Umbrella, Episode 1, New Year's Eve. are coming. From the far eastern corner of the world, the ninjas traveled a great distance to arrive at the house on Cashew Avenue. They plundered their way through India, ransacked the high seas in the tropics, and utterly destroyed a path through Mexico. Every house they visited, they left empty and in ruins. Now, under the clear southern California sky, the ninjas quietly snuck up to the unsuspecting house where an extravagant party was underway. The ninja bandits loved attacking parties. People always brought their most precious valuables. Purses, jewelry, really nice shoes. It was a perfect plan. Being New Year's Eve, everyone was inside getting ready to count down to midnight. And nobody was expecting ninjas. Nobody but Nate. Nate had followed the ninjas for weeks, watching every attack and learning their style. Tonight, he would stop them, because tonight, the house they were attacking was his. Nate was fully trained in the most advanced martial arts. Karate, Jiu-Jitsu, Taibo, even the crazy stuff. The really buff guys did on pay-per-view. Nate knew it all. And he's only 11. He sat and waited for the ninjas to make their move. The first ninja jumped onto the backyard fence like a cat. With perfect balance, he walked along the top of the narrow fence and somersaulted through the air, landing without a sound on the grass below. He was good. However, Nate was better. The first ninja didn't know what hit him. It was Nate's fist. He collapsed to the ground, out cold. Nate sank back into the shadows. The second ninja flew over the neighbor's fence and landed right in front of the swimming pool. 
Nate leaped from the shadows, sprang off the diving board, did a double backflip, and kicked the second ninja right in the face. The fence splintered as the ninja's body sailed through it. Two more ninjas grabbed Nate from behind, each holding an arm. They tried to subdue Nate, but he had lightning-fast reflexes. He ran up the fence, did a backflip, and landed behind the ninjas. He karate-chopped one in the neck and did a three-punch combo on the other, leaving them both on the ground. Nate brushed his light brown hair out of his face. They always sent the easiest ninjas first. In the corner of his eye, Nate saw a shadow move across the roof. A smile came to his face. He loved a challenge. Nate ran down the side of the house, jumped onto the trash cans, bounced into the air, and swung off the satellite dish, landing on top of the chimney. From here, Nate could see the whole city he lived in, from the Santa Ana Hills to the Pacific Ocean. Nate loved where he lived. He loved his home. He loved his family. He would do anything to protect them, especially from ninjas. He waited in silence on the chimney, barely visible. He was short for his age, but this gave him the element of surprise. He sat, perched like a pre-pouncing panther. Three ninjas came onto the roof at the far end of the house. Each ninja carried a thick metal chain with a grappling hook at the end. Nate knew what their next move would be. They would use the grappling hooks to swing into the upstairs windows. That was Nate's room. He had his Connecto Treasure Island set up in there. He just finished building that. Oh, it's on now. Nate reached to the sheath strapped on his back and pulled out a weapon that no good ninja would be caught without. A katana. This katana was the sharpest sword ever made. The handle was pure ivory, made from the tusk of the strongest elephant in Africa, and it was wrapped with leather from the meanest bull in Spain. The blade of the sword couldn't be cut, broken, or worn down. It wasn't forged. It was found. Down the deepest cave in the darkest hole in the Earth's crust, it was discovered and inserted into the ivory handle with the leather binding and given to Nate by the greatest martial arts instructor that ever lived on the day he died. On the handle was the letter N for Nate. Or for Ninja. It didn't matter. They meant the same thing. This katana was going to save Nate's family, his friends, and his Connecto treasure island. Standing on the edge of the roof, the three ninjas threw their grappling hooks to the apex of the house, where they latched on tight. Ten feet from where Nate crouched was a telephone wire leading straight to the ninjas. This had to be timed just right, or Nate would fail. Each ninja bent their knees to jump. Nate hurtled into the air, grabbed the wire with his gloved hand, and slid towards the edge of the roof. The ninjas all jumped off the house. With his free hand, Nate brought his katana down on the three chains. Each chain was sliced in two, separating the ninjas from the roof. They fell two stories to the ground below. Legs definitely broke. Nate slid off the telephone wire and landed into a somersault safely on the front lawn. He looked inside the front living room window where family and friends gathered around the television, 
The ten-second countdown to the new year was starting. Little did they know that in ten seconds, Nate would have the greatest battle of his young life. Ten. Nate turned and saw a dozen ninjas running up the street. Nine. More goons slid down ropes from helicopters above. Eight. Cages released man-eating tigers. Seven. The ground rumbled from oncoming tanks. Six. Cannons fired deadly pythons. Five. Giants stepped over housetops. Four. Killer robots with nuclear missiles marched across the lawn. Three. A spaceship began to beam Nate up. Two. Nate held tight his katana, ready to fight. Nate's mom came out the front door. Oh, Nate, dear. What are you doing out here? Nate twirled around. The ninjas disappeared, and the robots and tanks were gone. Nate stood alone on the front lawn. Young man, you know better than to play in the front yard by yourself after dark. Being a mother of six children, Mrs. Spelling had mastered the stern voice. She was shorter than her oldest two children, but even they listened when she switched on the mom voice. But, Mom, the ninjas were attacking from the front. My katana's the only thing that can stop them. Nate, dear, put that thing down and come wash your hands. You're gonna miss the countdown. Nate looked down at his hands. The greatest sword in the world was gone. Instead, he held a dirty stick. He looked around. The tanks were cars parked on the street. The killer robots were Mrs. Robinson's lawn gnomes. The ninja's deadly karate chops were harmless gusts of the Santa Ana winds. Nate deflated, threw the stick into the bushes, and headed up the porch steps. Mrs. Spelling went into the house, and as Nate was closing the front door, he stopped and gazed out at the front yard. Nate thought he heard the faint footsteps of the retreating ninjas, and even saw one slip into the shadows by the light pole across the street. He whispered softly under his breath. We will meet again, ninjas. We will meet again. Across the street, in the shadows by the light pole, a man watched Nate shut the front door. That was close, he thought. He had stepped into the shadows just in time. Nate had almost seen him. Now, with Nate inside, The man walked into the circle of light, holding a red umbrella. It was a long umbrella, almost as long as the man's thin legs, with a pointy end and a handle that resembled the grip of a sword. He wore an old and dusty purple pinstripe suit. The man stood there, stared at Nate's house, and waited. Nate left the downstairs bathroom with his hands still mostly wet. Nate's family sat around the living room, watching the New Year's Eve countdown on TV. Nate's dad, Mr. Spelling, laid back in his recliner. His long legs stuck out at least another foot from the chair. Nate hoped he'd hit his growth spurt soon and be as tall as his dad. Maybe then he'd stop getting picked last for football during lunch at school. There's the man we've been looking for, said Mr. Spelling. He pulled Nate in for a close hug. Where have you been, buddy? Nate was outside, 
Fried onion chips, said Mrs. Spelling. In the front yard, Mr. Spelling looked over his glasses at Nate. What were the ninjas doing in the front yard this late at night? Hmm. Thankfully, Nate didn't have to answer because Spencer, his least favorite brother, piped up from the floor. Ninjas, dude, really? How dorky can you get? Said Spencer. Nate frowned. He had five siblings and couldn't feel more alone. The oldest and the nicest was Mark. Being a senior in high school made him too old for Nate to have anything in common with. Mark sat on the couch, texting one of his many friends as he usually did. Spencer, the rotten one, was next in line, and Nate wouldn't want to get close to him if he was offered a million bucks. Spencer sat on the floor in front of the TV. Then there was Nate, the middle child. Hunter and Jack, Nate's younger brothers, were both in second grade and less than a year apart. They stuck together like gum and hair. They wrestled on the floor by Spencer's feet, which wasn't too smart because Spencer would kick them whenever they got within reach. Lastly, there was the youngest in the family, Lily. At five years old, she was as cute as a little puppy and got anything she wanted. She cuddled up on the couch with Nate's grandma. Grandma Spelling had puffy silver hair, cuddly arms, and was the sweetest and most wonderful person Nate had ever met. Grandpa Spelling was not. He sat on the couch doing the crossword puzzle in the daily paper. He was always grumpy, which is why Nate secretly called him Grumps instead of Gramps. You seriously are a big dork," said Spencer, as he kicked Hunter in the back. Mr. Spelling turned his disapproving stare to Spencer. "Be nice to your brother." Nate knew that was never going to happen. However, he was grateful not to get the "Don't play in the front yard after dark" lecture. Southern California wasn't exactly the safest place in the world. The weather was great, and there was always plenty to do. But there were just so many people that, as Mr. Spelling always put it, you can't trust them all. The Spellings lived in a nice part of Orange County, so their neighborhood was safe enough. Nate still had to be home before dark, though, because you never knew who might be out there. Twenty seconds left, everybody," said Mr. Spelling. The family shifted around and got ready for the countdown. Nate stood in the middle of the room. Mr. Spelling yelled into the kitchen. "Ready in there, honey!" Mrs. Spelling called back. "Ready!" Lily's eyes went wide with excitement. Ten. Grandma Spelling whispered into Lily's ear. "Not yet, sweetie." "Oh, when?" Grandma waited a moment. "Now." The whole family counted down. Everyone started singing "Happy Birthday" to the tune of "Auld Lang Syne." Mrs. Spelling came out of the kitchen carrying a huge cake with twelve burning candles on it. The icing on top spelled out "Happy Birthday, Nate." It was now the first day of the new year. It was also Nate's birthday. Nate was born New Year's Eve, right at midnight. Being the first baby born in the new year was apparently something special. Mrs. Billings said, "When Nate was born, all the nurses and doctors at the hospital made a big deal out of it. 
They took pictures, gave the Spellings a special gift basket full of baby stuff, and Nate's birth was even announced in the newspaper. Nate didn't remember all that, of course. He was just a baby. But it was family tradition to count down to Nate's birthday instead of the new year. Mrs. Spelling wanted to make sure that even though Nate's birthday fell on a holiday, he still felt his birthday was special. This year, his birthday was special. Nate wouldn't find out exactly how special until the next morning. Houses on Nate's street erupted in noise. Pots and pans clattered, party poppers popped, and fireworks exploded in the sky over nearby theme parks. The man with the red umbrella stood in absolute silence during the chaos of the surrounding noise, focused on the Spelling's house. Through a gap in the curtains, he could see Nate blowing out the candles on his cake. The man with the red umbrella reached into his pocket and pulled out a small piece of paper that had been ripped off the corner of a newspaper. He took out a pen and wrote in the empty margin. The thin paper was difficult to write on, so he kept it short. So? The man with the red umbrella watched as the paper slowly soaked up the ink. In a few seconds, the word he wrote vanished. He leaned against the light pole and waited. He and the light pole shared many similarities, both skinny, both tall, and both there to do a job. A distant booming caught his attention. Over the houses, he could see the glow of fireworks. He grasped the handle of his umbrella as a fun thought entered his mind. No, maybe later. (laughs) He looked back at the paper. In the empty margins where he had written, a new message started to appear. The ink returned to form the words, Take him. Tomorrow. The man with the red umbrella looked back at the house across the street and grinned. Voices for this episode were by the very talented Bobby Massio, Michael Rosenbaum, and Jessica White. Imaginate theme music by Jeffrey Larson. Until next time, Imaginators. And remember, your thoughts become your actions. So make them worthy of life. Life.